November 28, 2020. It's the Watt Pedro Show.
Pedro Show. We started with Nature Boy, the fir- uh, first version from John Coltrane. Of course, it's an old-time standard. Happy Saturday, everybody. Then we heard Way Gone, Man, by Adele Berté with the Anubian Lights. And my guest, here from the happy, Los Vilas, <laughs> Adele Berté. Welcome aboard, Adele. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Now, Adele, please tell me your earliest musical memory wow uh my grandmother played piano in uh she played honky-tonk piano in uh in speakeasies during the depression to make a living and she was a badass she could play like nobody's business she had that left hand that rhythm you know and she played by ear and uh i would sit with her when she played the piano and she taught me how to sing harmonies to people like the boswell sisters and the andrews sisters and um yeah, yeah, that those were my first musical memories. And from, where was this? Oh, this was in Cleveland. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, well, I'm going to get the mind-reading thing down, but until then, you're going to have to use words with me. <laughs> <laughs> so in Cleveland, of course, because the big uh, connect with Peter Lochner, we're, and we'll get to that in your book yeah. and all that, but I'll, uh, you're also a music lady. Okay, and that's why I want to go through your journey here. So uh, your grandma's playing piano. So there's a piano in the pad where you grew up? Not in my house, in my grandma's house, but I was always over there because, you know, I just fell in love with music. And and also my mother was a dancer in music hall in uh, in uh, Cleveland. And, you know, like people would, like Joel Gray would, would – they kind of started – out in their musical theater uh, lives in in Cleveland. So my mother was a dancer, and there was always music around my house, too. Um, And she loved musicals, you know, like stuff like West Side Story. And and she she was always dancing around the house, you know, half naked. Well, you get to do that because it's your bed. That's right. That's you know, these right. people, they're, they're complaining about having to wear masks. They all wear fucking pants. Exactly. But you know, <laughs> but in your pad, you don't have to. That's right. And, and you know, so, of course, I, I connected the erotic with music when I was really, really young because of that. So, you know. Yeah, that, now her, her instrument was her voice. Um, her instrument was her body. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you said she was singing and shit because your grandma did piano. But yeah, she... the grandmother was the voice. The mother was the body. Okay, but you yeah. said she was singing naked so. oh, and yeah, dancing. She's... Maybe she was yeah. accompanying herself. <laughs> she was. Okay, okay, but uh, for you, for there's no real musical instruments in the pad in, in, uh, where you grew up, but uh, you learned to use your voice. Yeah, you know, music, um, I remember when I was would first hear singers like Dionne Warwick, you know, when she would sing those Burt Bacharach songs and uh, or Dusty Springfield, because there were some serious divas on the radio in the 60s. And I mean, I, w- I would literally get the chills listening to these women uh, and those melodies. And uh, I had kind of a rough uh, childhood, so... I, I embraced singing and, and the and singing became my little secret place where I could, you know, kind of 
go in the backyard in behind the garage and sing to myself. And, uh, you know, it was a comfort. Music was always a big comfort in my life. What about at school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Uh, not really. Um, I Well, it's interesting. What happened was I grew up in foster homes and, and went to a couple of reformatories in Cleveland, one of which was a Catholic uh, school on a convent. And then uh, so so there was some choir stuff going on there. But it wasn't until I got to Blossom Hill, which was more of a high security reformatory. And it was probably about 80 percent black girls and uh, we had a choice that we could either go to Baptist uh, uh, on Sundays or Catholic services on Sundays. So, of course, you know, the Baptists had the music. So I would go and sing with the girls there. And, and it kind of saved my ass, Mike, because there were some tough girls in there. And, you know, Cleveland was a very segregated city. So I didn't grow up with black girls as a as a wee child. But then those black girls in Blossom Hill embraced me because I could sing, you know? So, so it saved me really. Um, and uh, I just fell in love with, um, gospel music at that point in my life, you know? Yeah. You know, I always ask about the school and because some schools, you know, got rid of their music departments, but to to hear music in a reform (laughs) that, no, uh, my buddy of mine got put in prison and, uh, for eight, nine years, and music, he, he learned stand-up bass and stuff. So in oh. these kind of situations, I could see the, like, kind of sanctuary. Uh-huh. You know, I, I do you know Wayne Kramer? Yeah, of course. Brother of course Wayne you, Kramer. Yeah, you probably played with him a lot. I, I uh, used to work with him at, in his uh, organization, Jail Guitar Doors, and we'd go into Twin Towers and teach guys how to how to write songs, and that was very revelatory because right. i i also worked at the linwood jail for women but i'll tell you the guys were more vulnerable and more open to expressing their feelings than the women were it was very very interesting the women were a lot more shut down when it came to writing lyrics and expressing themselves well, where I the guys like i think down. that's where the church helps because you know a lot of rock and roll singers started in church because yeah you can let go yeah yeah, for sure. Now, now, did you do the thing, because of your situation, you know, reform schools and stuff, but did you do a garage band, a bedroom band, a basement band, sing sing with your friends after school? Um, before I, I was, t- you know, carted off to my first foster home, I used to play in, in uh, a band with my foster family's brother and uh, a couple of his friends. And we'd play Little Bit of Soul. Remember that song? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I learned how to play the bass notes on an acoustic guitar for that song. Um, so, yeah, there was a little jamming going on in that, in that particular foster home. But you, uh, uh, you weren't writing your own material. You were, no, no, we were playing covers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, same thing when I, w- I was young. We learned by copying off records. I, I want to play uh, Wild Winter. Ah, okay.
welcome to Eye on Africa, I'm Rochelle Ferguson Bia here with the top stories on the continent. Benin officially requests that thrones, statues and jewels looted by France in 1892 be returned to their rightful home in the West African nation, but the response from France is no. We explore why. Next, we're first for a former French colony. Benin has officially requested that artefacts which were looted by France in 1892 be returned. A collection of thrones, statues and jewels are currently on display at Paris's Musée du Quai de Branlay. The uh, quest has fallen on deaf, ear, deaf ears, rather, and despite a letter from Benin's president, France has officially denied the request. In the Quai Branlay Museum in Paris, you can find many artefacts from Benin royal statues, doors, thrones. President Patrice Talon asked for them back. But French Foreign Minister Jean-Marc Ayrault has refused in the letter seen by France 24. Paris signed a convention against looting artefacts in 1997, but it cannot be used retroactively. The objects from Benin have been in France for more than a century, he said. And France cannot claim to be a country defending human rights if it defends looting. In the streets of Cotonou, everyone wants the return of the statues and thrones. It's true, France kept them for a long time, but France must listen to Benin's demand. They belong here. They must give back our heritage.
I can hear the tables and your throat. 
Rochelle, uh, yeah, Wild Winter, Adele Bertet with Anubian Lights. And then we had uh, from Brand New, from Na- Nappy Nappa, he's got a solo record. And there's three parts of Eyes on Africa, intro, part two, and part three. Then uh, something I got from Adele, uh, James Chance. I got, last time I saw him was many years ago, but it was still in 2000s. And because uh, I hadn't seen him since what, like the early '80s, so it was right. good to see him again. And he was singing. It was the Stooges were playing at the Queen Mary. I think it was 2004, so sixteen uh-huh. years. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I can't stand myself. This is great. He would be the Whites or the Blacks, or he had all kinds of names for his bands. But it was always him singing that with that great voice and playing sax and just great yeah. grooves. Yeah, lo- love it. Then uh, Helbians after that from Brighton, England, with a solo demo of Hot Wired, Ready to Blow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kishibashi after that, Never Ending Dream, this is brand new. The Bloods, this is something I got from you. B- Blue Chevrolet, something live. Then right. Harper Roos and St. George. One of these is a nom de plume for uh, Delia Derbyshire, who is a big pioneer in electronic music. And she performed the first version of the Doctor Who thing. Wow. No synthesizer. We're talking cutting tape and shit, right? Early 60s. Uh-huh. And that yeah. was called Nightwalk, a record she made with two of her colleagues at the Sound Workshop at BBC in the late 60s. Wow. And then um, even the pain has changed from Dose. Dose, uh, Ustamente Trace coming out first time on vinyl, Kill mm-hmm. Rock Stars. And then finally Adele with Can't Stop the Dance. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, you became like a, a, a dance singer. and uh, But we'll get to that. So, the, the, the reform school thing must have ended at, at one point. And, and, and what did you, uh, did you think about like further like college or further music or further dancing or what? Um, I had such a chip on my shoulder about education because I didn't really, uh, I mean, the level of classes that they were teaching in uh, Blossom Hill was just uh, absurd. So I didn't, I didn't feel, I wanted to pursue music, really. I mean, the first job I had was working for a veterans hospital 
in the occupational therapy department um, when I was emancipated at 17. So that was fascinating. And then uh, I started uh, singing in gay bars, um, uh, doing Joel Grey, uh, the cabaret, you know, soundtrack with a bunch of drag queens. We would put on shows and I would actually sing live instead of mime to the tracks. So that was fun. <laughs> you know, I forgot to ask you, what was the first record you bought with your own money? Oh, wow. I think it was Meet the Beatles. Meet the Beatles. Meet the Beatles. I was like, you know, I think that was 60. I was maybe nine or 10 years old. And what was the first gig you went and saw? The first gig I went and saw, I believe it was um, my grandmother took me to the Grand Ole Opry and I saw Dolly Parton, and I can't remember who else was on stage, but I was really young. I was like eight or nine. Nashville? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you guys were on a trip or something? Yeah, we went on a little drive, and uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Okay, that was back, first... back, back to the gay bars and doing Joel <laughs> Gray, because uh, yeah. these are your first gigs. Yeah, yeah. Even though the backing band is kind of, what was it, a record or something, and you're singing yeah. over? Okay. Yeah, they were just playing the tracks from the actual soundtrack, and I would sing along live to, you know, Willkommen and uh, introducing the queens and everything. So. Right, because it takes place in Weimar, Germany. So you got a, like a, a Deutsch accent going <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did, had you seen the Liza Minnelli movie with Joel Grey? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, so I, you were kind of doing her. I was doing him. I was doing Joe. Oh, you were doing Joe, and he's kind yeah. of the, he's the MC. He's the MC. I was the MC, and the queens were doing, you know, Liza and sure, the dance. Sure, sure. I understand now. I understand yeah. because, believe it or not, you know, there's like roots in the the punk scene with that. People don't really realize this, right? They think of suburbs and slam dancing and right, teenage right. boys, but actually, the punk scene was more women when it first came out uh, in the Hollywood scene here. And maybe in Cleveland was like that, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, people, um, they don't talk too much about the, you know, the women of Cleveland that ended up doing punk music or, you know, moving to New York to do. I mean, the girls from the the Bush Tetras were from Cleveland. Sure. You know, we all yeah, right. came to New York around the same time. But New York in 19 from 77 on was just like so many women from all over the world. But you know Kate? the connect, yeah, uh, goes yeah. deeper. Uh, I think Velvet Underground played Cleveland twenty three times. Bob Quine taped them all, but there oh, was always wow. been a connect on the underground with Cleveland in New York oh, City. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Peter helped um, Television get their first gig uh, in Cleveland. Wow. Um, I had Richard Lloyd on the show a couple episodes ago. Oh, I love Richard Lloyd. He's yeah. amazing. What an amazing guitar player. And his book is incredible. Have yeah, you read his yeah. I, I read it three days. I couldn't put it down. Yeah, it was fascinating. I love his writing. Yeah, and so 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 the women, part of the yeah. early punk scene, people, yeah. nobody's really talked about this. I'm so glad about your book. It, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. But people, a lot of the stuff we're going over here, Adele has put in her book. And part of it is the story of Pete Lochner. Right. Yes. Right. Peter Lochner. Now you meet him, you meet him in the, these scenes, right? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to sing, but I looked like a little dude, you know, little boy, you know, like I would wear apple caps and flea-bitten suits. And uh, so I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't exactly the kind of girl that, you know, would be like if I was aspiring to be a singer, you know, everybody on the charts looked like uh, Helen Reddy, you know. So it, it wasn't. Uh, you just lost her, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you see the movie about her? No, but you know she was pretty balls out. I remember in the in the day, she took a lot of shit from assholes. She sure did, didn't a lot of women though. Yeah. But, but yeah. So I was, uh, you know, I was the anomaly, and I I didn't think I would ever have a chance doing music, but I loved to sing. So I got up with a cover band one time, that was like a kind of a blues cover band in Cleveland, and they let me sing a song and I sang Peace of My Heart by Janis Joplin because they knew it. And uh, Peter happened to be in the audience. So he came up to me afterwards. I mean, I was a nervous wreck and I knew who he was because he was a legend in Cleveland at that point. This was 1976. And uh, he said, wow, you know, you can, you're really good. And uh, I, I do music. Let's, let's do some music together sometime. And you know, I was terrified because this is like the main dude in Cleveland who right, right. everybody talked about this dude. Like he was, you know, he was a genius. He was a fuck up. He was, you know, uh, dangerous. He was um, just, you know, a loser. So there were all these epithets about the guy. But the guy that I met was really gentle and sweet and, and very, you know, generous with his compliments. So I ended up following up and then uh, we became really good friends and I ended up sharing an apartment, sharing his apartment with him and doing a band with him. And yeah, then, tell me about the band. What was the first gig like? Oh, uh, the first gig was, I think it was at the Pirates Cove. Yeah, I later played there when it was called Peabody's Down Under. Ah, yeah, yeah, right. It was actually, I was told it was the first warehouse in like Andrew Carnegie's empire or some shit. <laughs> it could be. I mean, there to me, Cleveland's history, especially the flats, it's fascinating. Flats, yeah. You know, it's just amazing. Like, but anyway, he, uh, we, we, yeah, we had this band called the Wolves, and we, I think it was the Pirates Co. Uh, it's very foggy to me, Mike, because I got to tell you. I was drinking really heavily during those days. I was kind of trying to keep up with with. Yeah, Peter. It ended, I was going to say it ended up killing Peter. I mean, we've well, all been through. I understand. So, it's a lot yeah. from Pedro show. There's no hard questions and there's no wrong answers. Right. <laughs> Thank God for that. Well, but but you know, I I I um I think it was the Pirates Cove. Him and I traded off lead vocals. I would play a little guitar. He gave me a beautiful Fender Duo Sonic. Uh, nineteen, I think it was a nineteen fifty-seven. So, so you, uh, yeah, because you mentioned something about playing some notes on a guitar. So you had learned guitar. Yeah, very basic, you know, uh, progressions and chords. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I was so heartbroken because later when I moved to New York, it, the guitar was stolen. Somebody nicked it from me at CBGB's one night. Well, um, like we say in Pedro, you donated it. <laughs> <laughs> We're always optimists here. Uh, so look, that first gig with the it was called the Wolves. And the Wolves. The Wolves. Yeah. Wolves. It was just a duet. No, no, no. We had um, we had uh, let's see who Leo Ryan was on drums. 
a guy named Al Dennis was on guitar. And I think we had a second guitarist, but I, it, it's all so vague to me. What about we, bass? Bass. Al Dennis was on bass. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, he was on bass. You should, you should have been there playing bass. <laughs> I would have. I would have. But you guys actually had three guitars. If you were playing that other dude and Peter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think the I think Rick a guy named Rick Callister might have played a couple of gigs with us on guitar. Can, I don't you remember the first song you sang with him on stage. Um, I think it was Jesus uh, knocking on heaven's door. Bobby Dylan. Yeah. So, uh, how were you received by the gig goers? Um, people responded well. I mean, you know, it's not like we had like huge crowds or anything, but no, but, I mean that first gig. You'd only have the first gig once, so I'm just curious. Right. Exactly. No, people were very, you know, very like, you know, yelling and clapping and stomping and, you know, yeah, it no, was interesting. No, <laughs> no cups of piss or sacks of shit or batteries. No, 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 gob, no gobbing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that word. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, luckily, luckily, no uh, bodily fluids were thrown. Yeah, or shared. <laughs> Look, we're at the end of the first hour, November 28, 2020. Dishwap, Pedro <laughs> Show special guest, Adele Berté. Hold tight for hour two. November 28, 2020. It's the second hour of the WAP from Pedro Show.
Could not make myself understood. 
from right. Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with Adele Berté with Hollywood. There must be a story behind that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I, I rode a bike to first see Hollywood. You know, I came here when I was nine, but was 15. Mm -hmm. I rode a bicycle and was like, man, this kind of looks like Long Beach. <laughs> <laughs> it took all day to get up there. I went by a, a, the, the beachway, the, the sidewalk called the Strand. It starts in Torrance and uh -huh. all up this thing. And then I turned up on Sunset, which was the last part of the old Route 66. And mm -hmm. But anyway, I, yeah. I never wrote a song about it. Sam Bennett after that uh, from Tokyo with No Such Place as Home. Agnes Steck out of Austin with Lingnopod Strut. What the fuck? Maybe some kind of dance. Uh, <laughs> Plutonium Farmers, Land of Sunsets. Golden out of Tokyo uh, with a demo called No Name. <laughs> Probably doesn't, it's untitled, yeah. And then finally, the stolen, this stolen heart, Adele Berté. Okay, so what happens with the wolves? After that first gig? Well, you know, it, something was going on with Peter where, like, when I first hung out with him, you know, he, we were drinking together and there was some drugging and, you know, it, it, but it seemed to be under control. And then it started to escalate, right? And it just uh, became to a, a little too dark where, where, you know, you, you would go on a binge for three days and then have to recover from it for a week because, you know, you felt like a pancake. Tore up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so things, you know, were getting darker in terms of his, um, his addictions too. And, uh, it's a lot of the, a lot of it was about what people thought of him. He was very conscious of that, like this myth making around himself, because he was essentially a singer songwriter. Like when I lived with the guy, he loved people like Woody Guthrie and Dylan and Richard and Linda Thomas, and you know, um, like more of the singer songwriters that that um, right because people assume he big rock and roller. In right, punk scene, but yeah, he's an acoustic guitar player and a. Yeah, I mean, he could play the blues. I mean, he could play a Robert Johnson song like nobody's business on his dobro. You know, I mean, the guy was yeah. a phenomenal Incredible. player. But we should also tell people he was pretty young. Yes, he was twenty-four years old when he died. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and and. Oh, man. I, I mean, we had I, I write about some of the adventures we had together in the book. I mean, you know, he we had this kind of like romantic, not in a sexual sense, but this idea about ourselves that we were kind of like the bunk, the punk Bonnie and Clyde. Right. So we <laughs> show up at a party with our guitars and guns, you know, like. He, he carried a Walter PPK that his dad had gifted him because his dad was... Okay, uh, yeah, because I heard a story where they scared the television guys by pulling out a gun. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he, he would do that. He was creating this myth about himself. And when he would get really fucked up, uh, he sometimes, you know, we would be in the living room and I'd be like, you know, reading or something or we'd be listening to records and he'd be on the phone with somebody like Richard Hell who he had like this kind of cantankerous relationship with. And uh, all of a sudden he'd get off the phone, he'd be pissed off and he'd start shooting at a picture of Richard tacked up on the wall. Oh, fuck. You, you know, know, Richard Hell was my first punk rock hero. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, Richard... He was really big in my life. I put a picture of him on my base, and that was like a line in the sand here in Pedro. Wow. Rock and roll, well, supposedly, they were actually from Arena Rock. It's like, fucking knew you were going to be into that shit. (laughs) And you know, but, you know, I couldn't believe that the bass player actually led the band, wrote the songs. I thought Mm -hmm. bass was where you put your retarded friend. Wow. No, it's true. He was an amazing performer and bass player. And yeah. that first record, my yeah, God. Yeah, I love it. Love it. The big effect on D. Boone, too. Here, I want to play When It's Over.
show yeah when it's over from Adele Berté and Scritty uh, Politi in the house I did that with them oh wow oh because they changed this is when they came to New York City and were going to be a dance band right well you know um they had done that that brilliant record and then I was working with with David Gamson and Fred Marr from Scritty uh they produced that record for me and Green is the guy who sings the, main the guy, yeah the other two guys got kicked out I'm, I'm talking about the first records the, the uh-huh. seven inches they were great you know oh. Oh, yeah, yeah they were called like beef block bologna and, and <laughs> bologna bologna and then the right. other the other one was called four a sides or this, 
something about OPEC and but then he switches gears he gets rid of the other two guys okay okay uh, parallel powers after that with East Third Ring a mint douche from England I found out not Australian that's huh. so embarrassing right you get the accent wrong fuck <laughs> talking to me I guess that's uh, Travis Bickle right quote Gaffa yeah. with uh, for one once good they're Czech people Sea uh, level out of Cleveland. Yeah, this is a young teacher. He's got a band on the side. Oh wow! Yeah, named okay. David. He's a good, good guy. Wow. He, uh, halfway there, and then history with uh, Queen of the Breadline, Lewis Cole. A little m bit more time, and finally, believe in me, Adele Berté. So okay, let's continue with. with it's it's kind of hard living with Peter in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. So. Things were getting rough and I was getting, I was, you know, becoming physically ill from what, what I was imbibing and um, trying to keep up with them. And I had to kind of yank myself out of the situation. So I moved out. Uh, he was becoming wilder. We, he, he showed up at one of our rehearsals and um, was just kind of falling down on the floor and waving the gun around. And, and we just, you know. Uh, I, I I just took off and and actually the bass player Al Dennis helped me figure out how to end it with with you know we actually had to ask him to leave the band but this was his pattern he would create all these amazing bands you know from Rocket from the Tombs to Perubu to uh, Friction all these bands that he would create he would end up sabotaging himself. Um, via his drinking and drugging and erratic behavior. And uh, it, it was such a shame because he couldn't be what he really wanted to be. I mean, the guy could write a punk song like Nobody's Business. I mean, you know, Ain't It Fun? Yeah, and amphetamine. Yeah, yeah. I, and so he could out-punk the, the best of the punks, but essentially that's not what he really wanted to do. He wanted to be a singer songwriter. Yeah. 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 I get that sense too, especially when Frank uh, put out the box with all the stuff yeah. that he found. Yeah. You yeah. Were, I got to play a lot of that. I had Frank on the show and we played a lot and you can see how deep he was musically. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the punk scene was kind of full of people like that. You wouldn't believe how deep and, and you know, the cartoon little kid thing was actually, you know, he was pretty young. Over here in Hollywood, there was older people. Like, he's, uh, he reminds me of Darby or something. Right, right. You know, the, yeah. The, the germ singer, somebody incredibly ta uh, real talented. But so, so, when do you make the move to New York City? Well, what happened was, um, you know, he left the band. I did one gig with that band, The Wolves, without Peter and a, with a different guitar player. And I, I, my heart wasn't in it because it was all about him for me. Sure, you know, sure, he, sure. He's my mentor. He got me started. And our plan had always been to move to New York City because the first time we visited New York City together, we stayed at Lester Bang's house. Now, talk about an <laughs> intro York City, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I write about that in the book. It was a wild weekend. But um, so I had I decided to go to New York for a weekend because I knew a couple of people that had moved there. Bradley Fields, who played drums in Teenage Jesus. And not, the not drums. If you look at the record cover, it says drum. 
I know. All he did was say that one yeah, snare, yeah, that yeah. one stick. That was it. That was orphans, that. right? Running through the bloody snow. Right. Oh my God, that was the perfect song for No Wave. You know, I heard that. Song, I thought, oh yes, I'm home. I found my tribe. But, okay. uh, Look, we're at the end of the. We got to continue because we're at the sure. second act. End of the second hour, the November oh. 27, 2020 edition of the WAP from Pedro Show with special guest Adele Birthday. Hold tight for hour three. November what? 28, 2020. It's the third hour of the WAP from Pedro Show. <laughs> with no place to go ah, but me and Scotty were talking in that nervous way that we always did it was then I realized that I had something there to show him but that I would have to keep it in so I said, I'm going to walk on down in the alley, down where the light shines so very dimly. I'm going to shake hands with all the creatures that I meet, with Miss Cinderella Backstreet. tried to teach naivete to kids brought up on TV I tried hard to smile got hung up in style <laughs> it seems they saw right through me and you know and Ricky were talking In between all the noise The smoke and the jive And I said Playing those blues That you learn from the English dudes Oh, does it really satisfy I said to him Me, I'm gonna walk on down Down where the light shines so very dimly Where the yellow cat walks on silent thirty feet With Miss Cinderella Backstreet
was one down for the Leather Boys and one for the Never Been Kissed. Still another for all the ambulances. Anyway, somehow I seem to miss. And one more just to dream on. And you know, still another one for the show. Well, Denise, she did my eyes. And I felt just like a prize. Until the tears began to flow.
raised eyebrows, middle fingers, no mistake, no regrets, no promises, and no rent. So long, saving grace. So long, saving grace. We are supposed to be troubled, not understanding the heat in the summer dresses.
Pedro show. We started the third hour off with Peter Lochner doing Cinderella Backstreet. And Cinderella Backstreet is not just a song. It was a band. And it's the first time Adele saw Peter at a club in Cleveland called The Change. It's in the book. We should yeah. tell people about this book, what, the, the title of it and where they can find it. Okay. Um, yeah, the book is called Peter and the Wolves. And um, it is, uh, it's been published by the same uh, company, Smogvale, uh, that put out the Peter Lochner uh, 5LP beautiful box set. Frank. And uh, you can find it in your, like, you know, like select record stores and bookstores if they're even open right now. But you can also buy it from smogvale.com or it's also on sale um, at Amazon. I think they're, it's 15% off right now at Amazon, but if you buy it from Smogvale, you get free shipping. Yeah, dot com. people. Frank oh. over there is great. He, yes. he was too young to be part of the old Cleveland scene, but he's done so much to let people know about it. Exactly. No, he, he, I, you know, Frank is, is such a good guy and he's in love with everything Cleveland, you know, um, and uh, yeah, he's really put Cleveland on the map and, you know, how, how important it was to early punk. You I know? think he's living in Florida now, but <laughs> he loves Cleveland. I know that. Yes, he does. For uh, sure. Let's get back to your, your journey. You're in New York City now, Bradley. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm in New York City for a weekend, just checking it out. And I'm at CBGB's and I tell this story in the book and uh, Bradley comes up to me and says, Peter Lochner's dead. Oh, and, fuck. Uh, and I, and then Lester bangs, you know, I, I see Lester and I realize that it's true. Um, and I was just, dev- I mean, you know how it is, Mike, when one of your closest people dies and you're young, you know, and it's your first huge loss. Yeah, and it's uh, devastating. It's so devastating. And I, you know, I came back to Cleveland, went to his wake, which was just, um, my God, I write about all this in the book, but then like there was no, there was nothing left for me in Cleveland after he died. And we had always planned to move to New York together. So I, I just took off like within a month of his death, I was, I moved to New York and within three months I was in the contortions. So everything happened quite rapidly. You know, uh, people at the beginning of the show, I played some, uh, uh, chance, chance and that's contortions. And that's, Yeah, you're yeah. in the band, and oh, what a yeah. band, and, and lots of torn and lots of wild stuff. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep. I mean, we were very influenced by the Stooges. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Due, due to Jesus, uh antics, you know what I mean? Sure, you sure, sure. And fun, yeah. I can hear Funhouse all over it. Oh, yeah. Brother, Steve, and Brother and, Steve McKay. On, yeah. Yep, Funhouse meets the funk. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know... Brother Steve told me, you know, because he took his job right at the record store there in Ann Arbor. Uh-huh. And he says, uh, I want Maceo on L. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve's, Brother Steve said, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and, and they were kind of doing a psychedelic Jim Brown, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was playing keyboards, and I'm not a keyboard player, but... I was playing clusters like Sun Ra. And yeah, sure, sure. How did you get? Yeah, but how did you get in the contortions? 
Um, I saw them playing at uh, Bradley and Lydia's Loft, the original contortions. It was just James Nares, who's a paint, a brilliant artist and painter, uh, Jamie, whose name is Jamie now, and uh, Pat Place, right, completely androgynous. I couldn't figure out if she was a man or a woman or a tweener. By great guitar. Uh, Oh my God! Great, and she's just playing. You know, she was playing playing slide guitar like something I'd yeah. never heard. It was like you know an alien, uh, very bizarre and incredible. And and James was honking away on his sax, and I just sat down on on uh, a very minimal drum set. There was more than one drum, <laughs> and I just started playing. And, and oh, so you know, was it like a bum rush? You just <laughs> yeah. I just, I just sat in, I, you know. And, uh, now, James, James I, I ask you that because James was very confrontational. He would fight members of the audience. Oh yeah, me and me and George Scott. You, you, have you heard about George Scott, the bass player? George uh, Scott was was uh, an amazing bass player. He died of an uh, overdose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very young. But um, George was playing bass. I was playing keyboards. Uh, James would dive into the uh, into the audience and find a girl and start trying to make out with her right in front of her boyfriend. And the boyfriend would start slugging him. And then George and I would jump from the stage into the, to to protect him. And like fisticuffs would be flying. Right. And the rest of the band was still playing. (laughs) Of course, you got to keep the groove. You got to keep the groove, Adele. Of course. Of course. Look, I want to play something from Peter that you gave me. 3220 Blues. Oh, yeah. This is my change of someone else's arrangement of a Robert Johnson song called 3220 Blues. It's about a gun, 3220 caliber gun. I don't think they make them any, uh, in handguns anymore, at least. I don't know. They build it on a 45 frame. Shoot down a car. Shoot down anything. It's real phallic. <laughs> Baby, low. 
push my gal go Takes through 220 to lay my baby low back from where you came.
from Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Peter Lochner, 3220 Blues. And then Huma with Proxy from their new stuff. Tope Punt, under the influence of liars. <laughs> but we got that boot <laughs> off our neck, huh? If the cat, we can get the pry bar <laughs> out of that little desk. I am MR after that. Science facts. I think Chai Town. I think he's a DJ. Oh. Why not? You know, a Sly Stone star is a DJ. You know. Oh wow! I didn't know that. He did. Yeah, yeah. That's why you're on the show. Up in the city in San Francisco. That's why his music has all kinds of sounds. I think because. Wow. Yeah, and then finally Perubu with Final Solution. And, right. Uh, Peter's on there. He's the starting of this band that was very influential on a lot of people, including us Minutemen. So, mm-hmm. okay, so you're in the contortions. Right. And, and we don't have a lot of time left, but you end up like singing on some disco, some dance records. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And how did you end up in SoCal? Um, it was after my record deal with Chrysalis ended. Um, I, I went on tour with Tears for Fears as a backing singer for their Sowing the Seeds of Love tour. And after that, you know, I, I, I was just so through with the, with the music industry, the, co- the corporate music industry. The racket. I, the racket. Yeah, the racket. You know, I, I had so <laughs> That's many, what Elvis called it. You know, he yeah, was doing and, this interview, a Louisiana Hayride or something, and they... He goes, music business, and he corrects himself. No racket. I wish it was a business. Yeah, right. I mean, and then you the know, guy but... starts accusing him of being on marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, any anybody that's got like, you know, 400 accountants and, and two A&R men, you, you know what they're up to, right? <laughs> so you quit that racket. and So I quit the racket yeah. and decided to start writing. I really wanted to write. I mean, you know, I've always been a storyteller. So if I st- tell a story in words on paper or on a film or whatever, but uh, I came out here and started working on my, my craft as a writer. And uh, yeah, so now I'm writing books for now. I mean, I'll, I'll always do music, but, you know, I love writing. I, I absolutely fell in love with language and putting words together to well, where, where, uh, people who want to read your writing. Where can they find you on the internet? Um, www.adelberte.com. Let's spell that people. A D E L E B E R T E I.com. You got it. And you got what, it. what are you writing right now? Are you on, uh, cause we're in quite in quarantino mode. I, Right. Well, I just finished, uh, you know, I have a book coming out about LaBelle, Patti LaBelle, Nona Hendrix. Sure, and great singer. I yeah. saw that. I saw that band do uh, the Don Kirster. They used to film those Don Kirster rock concerts. Yes, here, but, yes. Like, Long Beach Auditorium. Did you see them in their silver days? Uh, when yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes. It's yes. like kind of space outfits and shit. And yeah. But with yeah. cowbell and good, good beats. And they that, were that, absolutely- that venue... Well, it was the back where they filmed those, but the front part is where me and Dee Boone saw our first rock concert. It was T-Rex. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, I love those Don Kirshner concerts. Okay, so so you're writing a book about Patti LaBelle, or the band was just called LaBelle, right? Yeah, she the band. She had sister in there. And, uh... Yeah, and, that, and so that's coming out in March. But now I'm working on a, a book called No New York, which is all about what we've been talking about, you know. No the wave. no wave scene in New York. and I can't uh, wait to read it, man. 
Wow. Yeah, that that one uh, I'm hoping to get a good deal for um, because a lot of it has to do with all the women that were playing. Absolutely, and people got to know this or they'll yeah. reinvent it into some little corny-ass shit. Right? You Thank know? you, Mike. Thank you. No, Stand I... up girls right <laughs> absolutely it's been big honor to have you on board adele when you get this book out will you come back on the show and we can you know, talk about it you know i will but one last thing Bring. i want to hear il sogno del marinaio <laughs> i want to hear more i want to hear more we just there's the third album i've been with these guys for two uh ten years the main man is stefano palia originally from genoa yeah. But uh, he went to school in the oldest university in Europe, right, Bologna. Uh -huh. And uh, he invited me aboard, and I collaborate. It's kind of avant-garde. Uh, we recorded this third album, though, here in Pedro. Wow. And it'll wow. Be out. it's coming That's... out soon. Well, if you ever need a, fe a little female vocal in winding around in there anywhere, you call me, okay? I promise. I promise. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. And come back on with that new uh, No Wave. Not new oh, wave, sure. no wave no people. New York. No New York, yeah. Okay, thank okay. you for having me, Mike. Absolute. People, thank it's you. been the November 28, 2020 edition of What Pedro Shall Keep Your Powder Dry. <laughs> <laughs>